Just as you're getting ready, mate, I'd like to pray for you. Yeah, go for it, yeah. Yeah, Father God, thank you for, for Dave. Thank you for his heart. Thank you for the love that he's got for you. And Father, thank you that you are growing him, that you are developing him, and you are moving him forward in his ministry as leading this church. So, Father God, I pray right now that as he pours out what you have poured into him this week, that, Lord, that it would touch each and every one of us. That, Lord, it would open up our hearts to hearing your word and hearing the impact that your word has upon our lives. So, Lord, I pray you would bless him right now. Pour out your spirit on him, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I've really enjoyed this morning so far. Uh, It's been great. And... um, just really a op- great opportunity to be refreshed by uh, the Holy Spirit as we were singing this morning, as we were uh, exploring, as we were surfing, if you like, in God's presence. I, I don't know about you, but uh, when we were talking about, uh, when we were singing about um, the floodgates of heaven and letting it rain, I could just feel, uh, that's where that, that sort of drip drop came from. It was uh, the real sense of God was doing something that, he was pouring out his spirit into our lives. I could actually feel like I was being refreshed. I don't know about you, but that's, that's what was happening for me. Uh, that's where that sort of little song came from. Um, and that phrase that Simon came out with uh, as he was leading us um, about that glimpse of heaven, well, it really fits with what I want to, to bring this morning. Um, and... Um, we're going to look at that, but if you if you have got a Bible, this is really wonky. Um, if uh, you have got a Bible, we're going to look at Isaiah thirty-five. Isaiah thirty-five. It's almost bang central in the middle of my Bible. Um, if there, I'm going to just say, if there's anybody, if if there's anyone that's not familiar with Scripture, not doesn't really know where to find Isaiah, if you just sort of just make sure they're all right, they can find it. When I first came to church, people would sort of I'd have a Bible and people would just sort of help me find the right page, okay? So that's really kind if you can do that. Just help them find Isaiah 35. Okay, so today we didn't, um, we didn't put down a theme for today. It was just Dave's own theme. Uh, and so throughout the week I thought, God, what, what, what should I bring today? What, what is it you want to say? And he, he kind of, I don't know if you were here a few weeks ago when I spoke from... Uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and that phrase I think it's from verse 3 of uh, Thessalonians 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 verse 3 and it says that it is God's will that you should be sanctified do you remember that it is God's will that you should be sanctified made holy and uh, I just kind of was thinking about that in the week what does that mean it's God's will that we should be made holy. What is sanctification? It's, it's living to please God. That's the, the theme, isn't it, of uh, that chapter in Thessalonians. It's living to please God. So there are obviously things that don't please God. And there are things that do please God. You want me to move it up a bit? There we go. That might not be... How's that? So that's, that's, well, uh, I'll keep talking and see how we get on. You might just need to turn it up a little bit. Okay, so living to please God, sanctification. You know, when we come to Christ, the moment we uh, repent of our sin and we believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, we, are, we become a new creation. 
The old has gone, the Bible says. The new has come. We are a different person in that moment. But there's still work to do, isn't there? We don't suddenly turn into this super fit spiritual athlete right at the moment of conversion, if you like. There's still stuff to do. God, is it work in our life? So whilst we have been made holy in that moment, we've become a child of God, God is also making us holy. That's the process of sanctification, of being made holy, being made more like Jesus, to become more like Jesus. And so um, I was thinking about that this in the week and I was, I was just taken to Isaiah 35 and we'll read that. And uh, it's entitled uh, Joy of the Redeemed. So let's just read this. Isaiah 35, it says this, the desert and the parched land will be glad. As we read this, by the way, um, just think about that song we had this morning about let it rain open the floodgates of heaven let's just have that in the back of your mind as we read this the desert and the parched land will be glad the wilderness will rejoice and blossom like the crocus it will burst into bloom it will rejoice greatly and shout for joy the glory of lebanon will be given to it the splendor of carmel and sharon they will see the glory of the lord the splendor of our god strengthen the feeble hands steady the knees that give way say to those with fearful hearts be strong do not fear your god will come he will come with vengeance with divine retribution he will come to save you then will the eyes of the blind be opened and the ears of the deaf be unstopped then will the lame leap like a deer and the mute tongue shout for joy. Water will gush forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. The burning sand will become a pool, the thirsty ground, bubbling springs. Like the haunts where jackals once lay, grass and reeds and papyrus will grow. And a highway will be there. It will be called the way of holiness. The unclean will not journey on it. It will be for those who walk in that way. Wicked fools will not go about on it. No lion will be there. No, nor will there be any ferocious beast get up on it. They will not be found there. But only the redeemed will walk there. And the ransomed of the Lord will return. They will enter Zion with singing. Everlasting joy will crown their heads. Gladness and joy will overtake them and sorrow and sighing will flee away. Well, what a wonderful picture of transformation. Of transformation. Something from change from one degree into uh, completely different. Something that's dry and barren into something that's green and flourishing. Well, this is. Uh, let's just talk a bit about the context of uh, this passage. So it's written by the prophet Isaiah. Obviously, you've guessed that with it being called Isaiah, and uh, it was written hundreds of years before uh, before Jesus. It was actually written. Uh, it's what's written in the um, what they call the pre-exile era. So we need a bit of history here, don't we? So the people of God living in Jerusalem 
uh, people of Israel, they are overtaken by the Babylonians and they are uh, the city's destroyed and they are taken into captivity. This is to try and cut a long story short, okay? They're taken into captivity and that's called the exile. That's where they're taken away to Babylonia in sort of Persia, modern day sort of Iraq, Iran. And so they've been removed from their homeland and taken uh, uh, to a place where they are no longer uh, their own people. They're, they've been captured and their homeland has been destroyed. Uh, so it's written before that era. Okay, It's written before that happens. So this is a prophetic picture given by the prophet Isaiah for a time in the future for the people he was writing it to. And it also paints a colourful and vibrant canvas which draws us in to look at what is now and not yet. All right, So it was written for a particular time, for a particular people, but it also has relevance for us now and for the future. See, prophets back in this era had to be 100% right. If they were not 100% right in their prophetic words, they were stoned to death. All right. So it kind of it put the sort of onus on them getting it absolutely clear. If what they prophesied didn't come true, they were considered a false prophet and they were stoned to death. All right. So we've got lots of prophecy from Isaiah and lots of his prophecy actually came to pass. So he's considered a very good prophet. Now, prophets did two things. They either foretold or they foretold. All right, there's a difference. They foretold means that they kind of predicted events that would happen in the future. Okay, not fortune telling, but they foretold what God had revealed to them, what was going to happen. So they foretold. Forth telling was pointing out where people, where God's people had wandered from God's ways. All right with an encouragement to come back, to repent and come back. That's what prophets did. So they foretold the future or they foretold, pointed out the rebellion of God's people and encouraged repentance and return to God's ways. So this vision starts with promises of a landscape which is going to change from a stark, barren and dry land which will suddenly burst into life like springtime, resulting in a vibrant, colourful and life-giving scene of refreshment, joy and abundance. It sounds like new life, doesn't it? New life coming forth, like a crocus it describes, like a crocus bursting forth into bloom, from barrenness to flourishing, from thirsty and dry land to a well-watered garden, from misery to joy, from a windswept rocky desert to a cedar tree forest teeming with life. The intention of the artist is to give hope to those who are struggling to survive in a time of wilderness and famine, a people who are far away from their home, which has been laid waste, where Jerusalem has been destroyed. So you kind of begin to understand the prophetic word when you understand some of the history. So he's, I think I've said oh, trying to get this clear to you so he has said this he has given this vision way before the actual events take place so he's foretelling something that is going to happen okay are we there all right is that have i made that clear okay 
So in, in the centre of this picture of promise are encouragements to strengthen the, the feeble hands and steady the weak knees that give way and say to those with fearful hearts, be strong and do not fear. Your God will come. With vengeance, he will fight for you. With divine retribution, he will come to save you. So there's this, the prophet is painting this picture of this barren land that's going to be transformed, but it's going to be a work of God. God will come to save. It will, and there's an encouragement to be strong, to, 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 to steady the weak knee, to not give up. You know, we, this, this was for these, this time and these people, but it's, it, you know, we can, the Holy Spirit enables us to hear from this right now because there may be some of us who feel like that, that we're in a dry place, that we are lacking, that somehow we're weak and vulnerable. And so the Holy Spirit can use it then, but he can use it now to encourage us, to say, God, God's going to come through for you. He will be there for you. He's going to rescue. Be ready. God is in charge. He will come for you. And then as we go into verses 5 and 6, uh, here we see some prophetic insight from Isaiah into the life of Christ. Right, so this is written hundreds of years before Jesus comes in the flesh to earth. And let's just read it. It says there, um, it says, Then will the eyes of the blind be opened and the ears of the deaf be unstopped. Then the lame will leap like a deer and the mute tongue will shout for joy. We've only got to read through the Gospels, haven't we? to see that those things have already been fulfilled. Jesus came, didn't he? And he went around doing good things. And it says, you know, Matthew uh, chapter 9, verses 1 to 8, Jesus heals a paralytic, you know, somebody who cannot walk. Um, here's just a few, you know, Matthew 9 and 27, 33, Jesus heals the blind and the mute. John 5, Jesus heals the lame man. Remember the lame man sitting by the pool of Bethsaida and uh, the waters would be stirred and uh, people would go ahead of him and get in the water uh, and he had nobody to help him. And Jesus came along and said, do you want to get well? Do you want to get better? Be healed. And he, he, Jesus took him by the hand and he got up and his legs regained strength. You know, miraculous things happened. When Jesus came to the earth, all these different things, the eyes of the blind opened, the mute, mute tongues released, uh, the, the, the lame leaping around uh, like deers and many, many more. So we can see that this prophetic word, you know, by knowing the history, seeing what has already happened, seeing what's happened in the life of Jesus, we can see this prophet was right. It was very clear that lots of these things happened as he said they would. <coughs> but this morning I, I want to focus a little bit more on uh, what it means to uh, submit to God's desire to walk in holiness. Why? Because without holiness we're off course. We won't get very far. Let's be clear about how we start the journey of holiness before we can go on to maturity in the purpose of God. Now, we were 
we were really treated to a, an all-you-can-eat buffet on Wednesday night with Ray Markham. He was phenomenal. He talked about the way of salvation, God's gift of salvation to mankind. The fact that you know, what Jesus has accomplished for us by dying on the cross for our sin and the need for us to repent and believe in him to be set free and I won't go into into all of that today but it it was fantastic to to really unpack what it means to believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord and to confess with your tongue that he raised from the dead it says if you do that you'll be saved you'll be saved it's not about church attendance it's not about serving in projects or on teams it's not about giving everything to the poor it's about repentance and belief in the Lord Jesus Christ and if you haven't done that then holiness is very difficult for you to achieve how can you become like God how can you be transformed if you've not made that step towards him to say sorry to turn around to move away from everything you know to be wrong and move in his direction and so I want to share three things this morning uh, from the last three verses of Isaiah 35 that was kind of my introduction Um, so we're going to share three things from Isaiah 35 and uh, it's described a highway of holiness a highway of holiness there we go Isaiah 35. Um, So the first thing I want to say is uh, holiness is a road which is clearly marked. We've only got to look to Jesus to see what holiness looks like. A man who never sinned, a man who uh, never said anything wrong, never did anything wrong, never thought anything wrong, went around doing great things, was filled with the Holy Spirit. And lived only to please his father. To be obedient to his calling. So we look at the life of Jesus and go, yeah, that's what holiness looks like. This highway is clearly marked and comes with a highway code of conduct for those wishing to travel on it. Entry to the highway is through a costly toll booth called the cross of christ and all travelers must pull over and leave all of their baggage there before starting the journey that moment of realization oh my word i cannot go on living as i've been living i must surrender i must submit to jesus i must submit to what he has done for me on the cross submitting to the rules of this road is essential and I you know it's not necessarily all about rules because we're not saved by rules we're saved by the grace of God it is about our belief in him it is about us yes denying ourselves, taking up our cross and following him but that isn't the basis of our salvation it is accomplished by what everything that Jesus has done for us not about what we've done but there is a response that is required to that I believe um, there are lots of people sitting in churches today 
that are just there. They're just an attender. There is no change going on in their life. It's almost like they're there, but the lights haven't been switched on. They're just sat in the darkness. It's almost like they haven't had a full revelation of who Jesus is and what he has done for them. It's almost like the story that Jesus talked about, the parable of the the farmer scattering the seed. The farmer goes about his farm, sowing seeds, and it falls on different types of ground. Falls on rocky ground, where it's eaten up by the birds, or it falls amongst the the thorns and, and they grow up and it's choked. It's almost like there are people today, not just here, but across the world, sat in churches and the the word of God is just not doing anything to them. It's just not penetrating their hearts. It's not having any effect on their lifestyle. There's no evidence in their life of any change whatsoever. So for, for some people, the word of God goes in one ear and straight out the other and makes no difference to their life whatsoever. And so they cannot cope with this road of holiness. It's not a surface they can cope with. Because if they're not saved, if you're not saved, if you're not in Christ, holiness is just, it's just a mystery to you. You just don't even understand it. You don't even want to live for God if you haven't submitted to him. See, the road of holiness is narrow. It's long. It's winding. And at times, it has a steep incline. It's not an easy journey. But it's the right journey. It is a journey of blessing, but it's also a journey of suffering. But it's the right journey. It's the right road to be on. There will be trouble ahead, but sticking to the righteous road brings safety and protection. The moment we wander and take diversions is when we open ourselves up to serious accidents. The highway of holiness is clearly marked out for those who seek to be like Jesus. It means to follow him, to follow his example, to follow his practices, to follow in his footsteps a life of obedience truth joy love and faith verse 8 says a highway will be there it will be called the way of holiness so isaiah is painting a picture of a route or a journey that the people of god will be on and if you're in christ this morning you're on this journey you're on this journey and sometimes the journey is tough. Sometimes there's a bend in the road that you didn't, you didn't expect to see that, take, that tries to take you off course. But coming back to this highway, if you imagine this, this road that only the people of God are on. And whilst you stay on that road, you're in safe hands. The moment you step off, the moment you deviate from it trouble will come yeah does that that make sense so there's a there's a road 
that, that is called this way of holiness. I mean, in here it uses a capital W twice. It will be called the way of holiness. And it says here, it will be for those who walk in that way. So there's, a, there's an indication to a way in which we should walk. Second thing I want to say this morning is holiness is a, is a road with restricted access. It's a road with restricted access. Isaiah's picture includes images of those who cannot, who can and cannot walk on this highway. It says here, the unclean will not journey on it. It's a bit strong, isn't it? The unclean will not journey on this road. It's an exclusive road. It has restricted access. It's not for wicked fools. There's no lion or beasts there. For these, access is denied. It's an exclusive highway. And this, that's a, a hard message to say in a church called Open Door. Because we're, we're inclusive, aren't we? We're inclusive. Everybody is welcome to this church. Doesn't matter where you've been, what you've done, what you haven't done, who you've been with, what you've done with them. Everyone is welcome. But in God's kingdom, there is exclusivity. There is. It's for the righteous. It says it's not for this holiness. The way of holiness is not for the unclean. They will not journey on it. They could journey on it if they decide that they've had enough of their unclean lifestyle and they want to return, they want to repent and return to the way of holiness. There is then there's not restriction is there this is a road for the redeemed those who walk in the way notice the capital w this way of this way or route of holiness is for those who walk in the way of jesus jesus said i am the way the truth and the life no one comes to the father except through me it is for those who walk in the way of jesus that's a challenge to all of us isn't it because at any point we can deviate off this road off this road of holiness this highway of holiness is it possible for a christian to be stopped from walking on this highway i think it is if that christian is indulging in willful sin or has a stash of illegal substances in their heart like unrighteousness of bitter envy of of strife of unforgiveness if if that is going on then you've already stepped off the highway you've stepped off this way of holiness but you can get back on you can get back on it just requires you to deal with it to hand it over to jesus the one who is able to cleanse us from all unrighteousness this is a danger to all of us because we are at times weak and vulnerable we give in to temptation we're easily hurt we're offended and we can hold on to unforgiveness like rightful possessions we accuse we judge we gossip we slander with the poisonous venom of a viper we get greedy we get impatient We overindulge and we give in to lust. These 
unholy acts are not for the way of the redeemed. We can't live in both worlds. Russ always used to say, um, is your private life the same as your public life? Are you the same person in private as you are in public? Basically, he's saying, are you putting on a fa- are you just putting on a, a mask? Is there a, is there a, you know, are you just putting up a facade for everyone to see and then just dabbling with stuff during the week? Do you understand what I'm saying? So we can come to church and everything's great and God's good and holier thou and we can sing let it rain but Monday to Friday we're going off doing all sorts of things that are displeasing to the Lord. We can't have, that's not holiness. That's double standards, that's hypocrisy. And so we do that, we we. we we take ourselves off the road. It's not God that's taken us off. We've taken ourselves. We've gone down a different route. But there is always an open invitation from Jesus for us to merge back onto that road once we are willing to bring these offences to the one who can permit access. John, uh, 1 John 1 9 says this, if we confess our sins he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness isn't that wonderful that the moment we say sorry to God the moment we confess we fess up we say yeah I got it wrong I did that that was me that was horrible and I shouldn't have done it the moment we confess our sins to God or even to a brother or sister in Christ It says he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins. He will purify us from all unrighteousness. Like the slate is wiped clean again. He's good, isn't he? He is good. He is faithful. He is just. And he cleanses us. We either hand ourselves in or we get caught. I'd rather hand myself in than get caught. It's better to humble yourself than to be humbled by somebody else or to be humbled by God. Either way, God is able to help us find our way back to his way. There's always a way back. There's always a way back. The third and final thing I want to say is this, that holiness is a road that leads to joy. It leads to joy. There's nothing worse than being a miserable Christian. There isn't. A miserable Christian that's going around, dumping on other people, spreading rumours, spreading gossip, because what happens is you get convicted and you feel bad. You feel rubbish. It's everyone else's fault. We point the finger. Uh, But actually what happens is God begins to point the finger back at you and say, well, actually, look at you. Take the plank out of your eye rather than trying to take it out of anybody else's. So holiness is a road that leads to joy. It says here, the the redeemed and the ransomed of the Lord will return. Where will they return? They'll return home. They were returning to Zion 
this is what Isaiah was saying, they would return to Zion. That's Jerusalem or uh, the Holy Land. They will enter Zion with singing. Everlasting joy will crown their heads. Gladness and joy will overtake them and sorrow and singing will flee. Wow, isn't that wonderful to think that that's what they were going back to, having lived in captivity under, you know, under oppression. They're given this wonderful picture of what it's going to be like. And it's the same for us. You know, we might live on this earth with all sorts of issues and violence and problems. But actually, this isn't our home, is it? There's a better place for us. It says the redeemed and the ransom will re- of the Lord will return. They will enter Zion with singing. Everlasting joy will, will crown their heads. You know, there's a time coming where everlasting joy will crown us. I'm looking forward to that. Gladness and joy will overtake them. Who wants to be overtaken by joy? Just, you know, bubbling up wonderful joy where we can sing and shout and be happy, laugh and clap. Gladness and joy will overtake them. Sorrow and singing will flee. Sorrow will flee. Not only was this a vision for the rebuilding of Jerusalem and the people returning home with joy, to me this is also a vision of promise for the church today. That there is going to come a time of this gladness and joy that will overtake us. Everlasting joy. It's for those who are dressed not in robes of righteousness of their own, but those who've been brought by the precious blood of Jesus, the redeemed and the ransomed. Those who were once dead in sin, but have been made alive in Christ. They're the ones that will enter the city of God, celebrating their homecoming with singing. That's something to hope for, isn't it? That's wonderful to think that one day we will be with him. It'll be wonderful. Not with a fleeting or temporary joy, but with joy that goes on and on and on and on. Everlasting joy. After some everlasting joy. Do you want some everlasting joy? Anybody want any everlasting joy? I want some everlasting joy. I want to be full of it. Overwhelmed by it. Overtaken by joy. Now joy is one of the fruits of the Spirit, but when this day comes... We will be filled and overtaken with everlasting joy. Ah, oh, no sadness, no depression, no heartache, no pain, but wonderful, deep, filled joy. Isn't that an encouragement to stay on the road? To stay on this way, this highway of holiness that leads us to everlasting joy in Jesus. You know, there's been many great revivals throughout history of the church and there will be more to come. There will be more uh, fresh outpourings of the Holy Spirit upon the earth, upon God's church, where people will be drawn in, where people will be convicted of their sin, they'll repent, they'll believe, they'll be baptised, they'll be filled with the Holy Spirit, they'll be filled with overflowing joy. But that's nothing compared to what is prepared for us 
in the future. We rejoice in that. We look forward to that. We prepare ourselves for that. But none of it compares to what is coming. The day that we get home, the day we get home, we will be filled with everlasting joy. And so this morning, I, I, uh, I just want to be, uh, I want to read this from Revelation 21, because this is an encouragement to me. It says this, um, Revelation 21, it talks about a new heaven and a new earth. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down, of, down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. What's left? is everlasting joy, gladness, singing, rejoicing and praising our God. A day where there'll be an end to the struggle with sin. A day where there'll be no death. A day where we will be completely made holy and righteous in God's sight. We'll be like him. We will be just like Jesus and we'll meet him face to face. Isn't that something to look forward to? I want to say this morning, let it rain. Let it rain. Let it rain from heaven. Let the desert place, the parched land be glad. Let the wilderness rejoice and blossom. Like the crocus, it will burst forth. It will greatly rejoice and shout for joy. That's what we're looking forward to. They will enter Zion with singing. Everlasting joy will crown their heads. Gladness and joy will overtake them. And sorrow and sighing will flee away. Let's pray. Father, we want to thank you for this vision of Isaiah, what he saw in the future, the the prophetic insight that you gave him, not only for the people of Israel, of of Judah, uh, but also for us who live now, Lord, that we can look forward to that day when we will be with you. But in the meantime, Lord, lead us along that highway of holiness. Lord, that place where we are safe, that place where we can be made more like you. Place, Lord, where there is everlasting joy, that it leads to gladness and wonder and love. We pray this morning, Lord, for those who who don't know you. Father, that you would reveal yourself. That, Holy Spirit, you you would move hearts and minds to question to understand, to have a a revelation of who Jesus is and what you have done for them, that you have saved them from sin. Lord, bring them to a place of repentance and belief in you and help them, Lord, on that journey of holiness, of sanctification. Lord, we thank you that it is your will, it is your desire for us to be sanctified, to be made holy, to be right with you, to not be out of sorts, to not be lost, but to be found. So Lord, I pray that over all of us this morning. I pray it over our families, our friends, as we enjoy this Mothering Sunday. We pray 
for uh, the day of salvation. We thank you that it is today. Lord, we don't know when you're coming back, but we pray that we'll be ready for that time. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let's just stand as we sing this final song, Amazing Grace. Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me.
Father God, thank you that you are the one that saves. And I just want to reiterate what Dave said. If this morning you don't know God, but you want to, if you want to have a relationship with God and be on that highway, then please come and see either myself, Dave, Maggie, or or one of us. And Father, I pray for each and every one of us that we would look to your highway, that, Lord, we wouldn't look to deviate on our own and do it our way. That, Lord, we would fully rely on you. So, Lord, in whatever we come up against this week, Lord, we pray we would pray against it in the name of Jesus with faith and knowing that we have that power inside of us that you gave us, that raised the dead. So, Lord, be with each and every one of us for the rest of today in whatever it is that we're doing with families. And, Lord, give us that opportunity to share you with others that don't know you this week. So, Lord, be with us, guide us. And, Lord, we just say that we love you. That we love you, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. Please stay with us for tea and coffee and and chat and... As I say, if you'd like to have more conversations, then please come and find us. I'd like to thank Simon, Rachel, Sue, Ruth, Dan and Claude for leading us in worship. And also Ethan and Alex for doing the sound.